Hey, hello, and welcome back to the Secret Bobo Movie Podcast. I'm Bobo. This is my movie podcast, which is a secret. So stop listening to this. Burn your hard drives. Don't share. And if you know me, never talk to me again. Today's episode is Transformers. The new Transformers. Transformers Rise of the Beast. I kind of hate titles that have of in it. It should just be Beast. Rise, also pretty stupid. Transformers Beast Mode is what I would call it. So I have a little bit of window dressing and stage setting. I think I'll start with a stage setting. I'm in the AMC parking lot, so you might hear people go by, doors close, people grumble about movies as they walk past my car. It adds to the authenticity, no? And also I want to talk a little bit about the podcast itself my goals for the podcast, who I am. I really am just pretty sick and tired of a lot of discourse around movies. And I also can just rant about movies for so long and rarely have the opportunity to do that before someone else wants to talk in the conversation. So this is a good opportunity for me to practice my own skills about how I talk about movies and also to be a little bit of a time capsule to see how my thoughts on movies age well or not. Just listening back to the last podcast, I realized that I talk in long run-on sentences. I'll add and and so and da-da-da when I don't need to, so I'm practicing on that. Also, a little bit about me. I went to film school, if you can't tell from my unjustified opinions and how opinionated I am about them. I love my opinions, hence why I started my own podcast. Also, I'm a professional in the film industry. I'm a grip in electric. I work inside the lighting department. So I have a little bit of bona fides to talk about lighting. Not a ton, but a little bit. And also I have notes. Ooh, I have notes. This uh, this podcast is only going to get better every single episode. And this episode's improvement is I have notes. So it's going to be a little bit less rambly, I hope. But enough of the stage setting. Onto the window dressing. Transformers. I have not seen the past few Transformers. I saw the original Transformers, the original Bay Transformers in theaters, and I thought they were awesome as a kid. I loved Transformers as a kid. And I remember when I was a child and my older brother telling me, they're gonna make 12 Transformers movies. And when I was a little kid, he was just messing with me. He didn't know that, of course. And when I was a little kid, after he told me that, I remember responding, oh my gosh, how cool would that be? We could have discussions like, What's your favorite Transformers movie? Is it the eighth one? Oh, no, I think I like the sixth one more. Well, here we are. I think this is the eighth. I can't even keep track. They've stopped adding numbers to the title. But the moral of that story is be careful what you wish for. When I ordered tickets to this movie, I thought Michael Bay directed it. Michael Bay is only a producer on this one. I looked up before going to the movie that it's a different director. It's Stephen Cappell Jr., and I didn't even write down in my notes what he did, but I can't remember what he did. Nothing, nothing so notable. But I was a little bit less excited. You know, I believe that Michael Bay falls under auteur theory. But as my friend Joe said, Baz Luhrmann is an auteur. It doesn't make him good. So that's true. And we're going to get into it. But I think this new director actually fixed some of the pacing problems of Transformers movies. And I'm happy that Michael Bay is making other things. You know, I had gripes with 
ambulance. But honestly, I think I came down on the wrong side of history. I think ambulance is kind of amazing, uh, even though it's a mess. Now, getting into this movie a little bit, yeah, I saw this movie at AMC, saw it in IMAX, Theater One. Oh, fantastic viewing experience. Everyone has a different place in the theater they like to sit. I like to sit in the front third. I was sitting in the furthest seated row, not the front row, but there was no one in the theater in front of me. So it was pretty great. Got to put my legs up and boy, was it a great time. I will say about the IMAX branding itself. I paid for an IMAX ticket. I went to an IMAX theater. It had the IMAX logo. Now, I did not see any IMAX aspect ratio within the film itself. I wish films were billed more on their format or made that more apparent on the ticket. I remember when I went to see Avatar 2 and then realizing that it was in a higher frame rate and it was going in between frame rates and it just that wasn't advertised to me anywhere and as someone who went to film school I'm very picky and opinionated about frame rates 2398 so when I was seeing a 60 frame rate thing it kind of really annoyed me and that's why I didn't see this in 3D I saw this in standard could have saw it in 3D but I saw this standard afterwards I looked up what this was shot on because like I said I didn't see any IMAX aspect ratio and it was shot on a Ari Alexa Mini LF. IMAX has been doing this thing recently where they will lend out the IMAX branding for marketing even if it's not shot on IMAX film. I think Marvel's Eternal and a couple other Marvel movies did the same thing. So yeah this was shot on a digital camera on the Ari Alexa and just branded as a IMAX experience. I still got to see it on an IMAX screen and I had an incredible soundscape experience, but if you're expecting IMAX, it isn't the same IMAX that even I think Transformers 2 had because I, I think Transformers 2 had had moments where it changed to full IMAX aspect ratio. I remember when I was, you know, what, what was I, eight when I saw Transformers 2? on IMAX theater and I even remember coming out my older brother pointing out how the aspect ratio changed and that was the first time I ever really even realized what IMAX was. I'm not complaining really even because what is really even being shot on film? The actors performances, the actors look great. The Transformers are not going to be in camera. We do not need IMAX film to capture green dots on set. So for a movie that is a large component CGI and it's based on how good the CGI looks, it being shot on digital is not the end of the world. This is a movie that needed to be shot on digital. Okay, let's get into the movie a little bit and I just wanna quickly go through how the movie sounded because yeah, I had an amazing sound experience. I recommend seeing this movie in theaters because it's just a spectacle film and this movie had amazing low-end sound that you really can only experience in a theater. The choo-choo-choo-choo, the Transformers transforming sounded better than ever. And there's a lot of heavy bass. This movie has a great soundtrack and score. The orchestral parts were really fun. There's a parade sequence and the orchestral music is mixing with the drums of the parade. It's really fun. But also this movie has a 90s inspired soundtrack. This movie takes place in 1994, and there's a lot of Wu-Tang and Biggie and Tribe Called Quest and 90s rap, needle drops and diegetic music and 
radio music in general can ruin a movie, but also it can add to it. And I think it really added to this. I was really vibing. My whole theater was really vibing with the music. There's action sequences that choose to play out with 90s rap instead of orchestral music, which sounds like could be really awful. But for this movie, actually just added to this movie being cool. The whole idea of Transformers is to appeal to the 10-year-old boy, and this movie just totally vibed with the inner child in me. I haven't seen anything that looked this cool since I was imagining action figures fighting as a kid. It really was awesome. The 90s rap itself is mixed really well with the sound effects and the action going on with the scene, and just totally added to it. And now let's go sound to sight the cinematography. This film looked pretty freaking dope. That's my artistic evaluation. It looked pretty freaking dope. The cinematography definitely takes after Michael Bay. Michael Bay was still a producer on this. It isn't as utterly maximalist as Michael Bay can be, and I think that's a good thing. It still has the Dutch angles and the moving camera and the telephoto shots, but it's a little more breathy. The wide shots are a little bit wider. I don't know if that's because of the 3D or what, but it works. There's a lot of really nice lighting and it does a really good job at showcasing the characters. The CGI itself, that's why you come to a Transformers movie. There is some of the most top-notch, best-looking CGI I have seen in a long time. I'm pretty picky with my CGI this podcast is not just to bash on Marvel movies, but I often think that the CGI in Marvel movies is pretty lacking, depending on the Marvel movie. Occasionally there's a Doctor Strange that will blow your socks off, but this is pretty top-notch CGI. It does a really good job at combining the CGI with the environment. There's still a lot of practical explosions. I will say the CGI varies. There are some times in the broad daylight when the camera is not moving and it's just a shot of a Transformer talking or a wide shot of a Transformer standing still that the Transformers look a little bit of that plastic CGI look. There's other times where the camera's slowed down and it might be at night and the Transformers are backlit and it looks incredible. And during the action, when there's motion blur and the camera's moving and there's actors running in between them, it looks phenomenal. The actors themselves do a really, really good job of working with the Transformers. And also just the cinematography in general does a really good job at keeping the action visually clear. The geometry of the action is really easy to follow and it does a really good job at blending the environments with the Transformers. They do a lot of CGI work, not just on the Transformers, but on the pillars that they destroy or the footprints that they leave in the grass. They're shooting at Machu Picchu and Coney Island and locations that they obviously cannot blow up, but they do a good job at making it seem that the Transformers are in the environment and destroying things and there's high impact. This film starts with a quick fight between Transformers and Transformers and boy was it fun when the title card hit, I was ready to clap. This movie gets you so hype. This film also does a really good job at putting the human characters inside the environment. And I think now's a good time to talk about the cast. I'll get back to the action. The two leads in this, I'm not sure if I've seen them before, but 
God damn, they were great. These Transformers movies always have human characters, and sometimes they're pretty insufferable, but they're always pretty. These actors are, they're pretty as it gets. Anthony Romez and Dominique Fishback, they're the two leads. They had a lot of chemistry. They had a lot of heart. They did a really good job during the action, and they aren't just functional, they are good. They each have their own individual setup, and I was already so excited for the characters to meet before they met. And when they meet, it's exciting, and they have a fun relationship that only builds throughout the movie. Okay, I'm back. I had to take a quick break because the people in the car next to me so rudely got into it and drove away. Did they not know I'm recording a secret podcast here? Okay, where was I? The cast. The voice cast. The voices of the Transformers are pretty fantastic, as always. Optimus sounds as Optimus as hell. I did recognize Pete Davidson as one of the Transformers. He does a good job during the setup, and maybe this is just my own relationship with Pete Davidson, but about the time I realized it was Pete Davidson, some of it was not working for me. The lead character has a little brother, and their dynamic is really fun. And there's a scene between the child actor and the Pete Davidson Transformer, and the child actor is better than Pete Davidson. That's not to say the child actor was bad. The child actor was really good, but it's just to show how Pete Davidson is more serviceable and the actors themselves are really great. That could have to do with the director, but I think the director did a good job and Pete Davidson's just Pete Davidson. But for the most part, the entire cast did a great job. Each character gets great moments and it isn't overloaded with human characters or Transformer characters. Okay, back to the action. The action in this film is really great. It is not a three and a half hour slugfest. The action scenes are in and out, it's great. The movie doesn't linger. It's a Transformers movie. You know where it's going, but it's always going there, and it's always a little bit ahead of you. The final third act action scene, I honestly could have used a little bit more of because I was just having so much fun, but that's the nicest complaint I can have about a movie is that I want more of it. The shots during this action scene would last a long time, and I'm not talking a one or one to two minutes. I'm talking five to eight seconds, but that's still a long time during a Transformers action scene or any action scene. I would guess the average shot length in Into the Spider-Verse was a second to a second and a half, maybe a half a second to a second and a half. So to have shots that were three seconds or five seconds or eight seconds or 12 seconds really delivers a lot of spectacle. There's fun sweeping camera shots that speed ramp into slow motion where you see destruction and it is so much fun. And now to really talk about why I am pretty ecstatic about this film. And look, there's a limit to how good these Transformers movies are. I'm not giving this a huge, you know, this is still a 7 out of 10, maybe an 8 out of 10. But I just had a time in the theater with the audience. I talked about how at the beginning of the movie, when the title credits hit, I was ready to clap. By the end of the movie, our audience was clapping three, four, five times. There were so many times where the audience clapped because it's great. There's so many great moments and I do not want to spoil these moments because there's a lot of fun. There's so many times where they will save what a Transformer looks like when they transform or they'll save when a Transformer enters the action scene or there is just cool ass stuff 
that this movie saves. And when I saw it in the theater, our audience clapped because it was fantastic. And it really lets the beats sit and sink and have a good ass time. This movie is probably the best Transformers movie there is. So if you have nostalgia for the Transformers or a 10 year old kid or the inner 10 year old in you wants to see Transformers fight, go see this movie, go see it on a Friday night, go see it in IMAX, sit close to the screen and just enjoy yourself because I was laughing out loud, the audience was laughing out loud, they were clapping. And as far as Transformers fan service goes, this is not a Into the Spider-Verse meta narrative piece of content. This is a movie, but there is still Transformers references to the other films that I had seen that made me go, oh, I get that. Oh, I get that. And made this film feel really solid with inside the Transformers universe. I was not expecting the Transformers universe to be this solid, especially in an era of the sloppy franchise film or where franchises really fall apart onto themselves over movies and movies and redconning and revamping. I thought this was kind of be a revamp, but it felt really solid with inside the Transformers universe. And of course it sets up for a sequel. I would see a sequel with these Transformers and with these human characters because I like these characters. I like this universe. This is a solid franchise all of a sudden. And this comes from someone who I have no interest in watching any of the other Transformers ever. I did not see Bumblebee. I have no interest. And I could not be paid to see the last few Transformers movies, which I skipped. So honestly, I think leaving Michael Bay out of the kitchen a little bit. And look, this this film has a lot of cooks. I saw there was about five writers as screenplay credit. And when you got that many writers, it must be good, right? But I will tell you, Stephen Cable Jr., he did a good job. I would I would love if he directed the next one, or I would love if, because of this, he could direct his own thing that he really wants to do, because he's a capable director who can wield a big production, and this was a fun time. And look, it's so hard for me to, to sit here and be so kind to a Transformers movie when my last episode was so hard on the Spider-Man movie, I'm, I really sound like I have no taste in movies at all. But this movie just delivered what it was. This movie just delivered a Transformers movie. I felt pretty cheated by the Spider-Man movie. So it just kind of comes in, goes with expectations. At the end of the day, they're probably both sevens out of 10 for me. For other people, I could understand how the other Spider-Man movie would be more or how after part two comes out, it would be great. But it just comes in with expectations. I was expecting the Spider-Man movie to have a freaking ending. And I was expecting this movie to have an ending. And this movie delivers on a really fun third act. Now look, there, there's not much more I can say about this movie. It's a Transformers movie. Like I said, there's a limit on how good it can be. And there's no spoilers for this movie, no spoiler section. I'll save all this fun surprises for when you're in the theater. There's a couple fun things I do wanna talk about in regards to the story of Transformers itself. It is not telling a fantastic, worthwhile story. The story between the brothers and the co-leads is fun enough, but look, <laughs> I feel I should talk about how Transformers has been a historically 
racist franchise, at least underneath Michael Bay. There have been plenty of stereotype Transformers, and often a Transformers character will be billed as, oh, this is the Chinese Transformer, this is the this is the Mexican Transformer, this is, you know, I don't need to go through the stereotypes, but that that's what they've been in Transformers films. I will say the leads of this film are people of color, and this film does try to talk about racism and the healthcare industry. His little brother's sick, and doctors refuse to give him care because they're behind on medical bills. The lead character doesn't get a job and the person who's giving the interview says people like you and the little boy next to me whispered racist. So this film does try to address the sins of its past and ultimately its progress. It's a movie. It's trying to sell you something. It's obviously not doing this out of the kindness of its own heart or really has a good understanding of what the story should be saying but it's better for little boys to be watching this Transformers movie over the past ones. There is one part where they go to Peru and they meet a Transformer and he has an accent and the main character goes, oh, do you speak Spanish? Because the main character speaks Spanish and the Transformer goes, no, what are you, racist? <laughs> and the guy's like, what? You're a robot. How can that be racist? And it's a little bit tone deaf to the fact that there have been racist Transformers. But maybe it's joking about that. It's a fun little twist on the beat, but it just kind of reminded me that I am looking at a stereotype, that I am looking at a Transformer that is a little bit racist. Not that I need every Transformer to sound white, but I'm just saying. Okay, I cannot rant about this movie for so long. Go see it. If you think this Transformers movie is going to be cool and you like Monkey Transformer, go see it. Monkey Transformer is cool. He's very cool. I was laughing out loud. I was going, yo, along with my audience. We were clapping. It is a fun time in theaters. It is a fun blockbuster. Maybe my standard of the blockbuster has been lowered along with everyone else, but I had a great time. Now for the end, I have a couple corrections from last episode. Believe it or not, I will say things that are wrong sometimes, and on this show, that is not okay. We will correct things, damn it. Last episode, I said that Phil and Lord were the writers and directors of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. That was wrong. They're only the writers and producers, along with another writer. The directors of that movie is Joaquim Dos Santos, Kemp Powers, Justin K. Thompson. Hey, these notes are coming in handy, huh? Could you believe that movie had three directors? It definitely doesn't feel like that many cooks in the kitchen. But I will say they did a good job. Phil and Lord's impression is still over that film and what I was saying about their influence still sticks. But hey, if I said something wrong, about this episode, I'll correct it in next episode, which leads me to next episode. I'm going to be talking about Mad Men and Succession. Mad Men I'm late to, but I just finished it, and Succession, I'm late to that discourse as well, 
but trust me, I have things to say that no one else is saying about that show. I'm gonna be talking about them in relation. It's gonna be pretty fun. We're gonna hop into the deep end with that one. Now guys, before I go, I just have to remind everyone, this podcast is a secret. It is the Secret Bobo Movie Podcast. I did not put secret in the title accidentally. This secret podcast, which I have published and you can find available on any place that you find podcasts, somehow has had people download it and I, God, I hope not listen to it. So if you have downloaded and you are listening to this podcast, you better keep it a secret. Like I told you not to listen, but if you are listening, you are in the know now. You are part of the secret and... I just don't know how many more people I can trust. So, fuck you for listening and burn that hard drive. I'll catch you on the next one. Hopefully not. Peace.